So hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. Today we have Lavanya Gopinath on the show with us. So with over 17 years of experience in creating, delivering and managing software teams and companies, Lavanya is currently the director of operations at Chargebee. It's a leading subscription billing and revenue management platform. So Lavanya, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much Sunil. It's my pleasure also to be here. Uh, and to say hi to everybody who's listening very happy to connect with everyone awesome so lavanya you're the director of ops at charge b right honestly speaking as as we were talking earlier as well <laughs> i personally don't have a lot of idea on you know what the ops function do in specifically saas businesses like i know what marketing ops does i know what you know sales ops do because you know they are my target audience at whatfix and i i have fair understanding of these two big operations team but then there's a lot of different sub functions in this huge operations team that you know any saas business would have let have any ops and cs ops and partner ops and and many more right so like can you can you before we get into that like you know just digressing a little bit here before we get into talking about the ops for a saas business can you give more intro about you know you and you know how did you get into the world of saas sure said i started uh, my professional career almost 18 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, i have an engineering background a computer engineering background and uh, so i went into programming was a programmer for a number of years i started with uh, this company called covansys and uh, it was on a public retirement product so i was a programmer on the product and then you know over a period of time i spent about 7 to 8 years on that product so mm-hmm. i moved across multiple roles in technical and um, management capacities and it was a very interesting experience because it gave me enough context on what goes into building an enterprise product because we were catering to uh, you know huge public employment setups in the us right like your say teachers retirement systems and public employees retirement system so these are huge systems millions of people several thousands of people paying into these systems so building a product for that kind of a scale was something that was very helpful to learn early on in my career so i did uh, this for a number of years i continued to be in engineering then took a pivot with a bunch of friends was part of the founding team of a music education startup mm-hmm. this was 2010 11 yeah. and it was called music guru it was very early for its time as you know the education space is i mean in the late 20s now is when it's picking up so we were probably very early in the game and but it was an interesting learning experience we were also working on the mobile space so i did quite a bit of work on mobile as well and after that mobile startup we moved on i then took up uh, this role as head of mobile delivery at a mutual funds platform called funds india mm-hmm. so again that was very interesting and anybody who's worked in the mobile space knows right like you put your app out in the store the kind of feedback that you get from like real customers who use it and the the pace at which you get that feedback is a phenomenal learning experience so i thoroughly enjoyed doing that and the basis of all of this is you know product you know designing and building products and managing their delivery so i took that experience came over to charge b changed it slightly to move into program management for engineering and product Uh-huh. because chargebee was scaling and at that point they wanted processes and to build out predictability in product and engineering delivery so that's what i was hired for got it so worked uh, about a year 
setting all of that up for the product and the engineering. And once that was done, I think expanded the scope slightly to now try and replicate the same building of predictability across the entire org. So uh, in a line, I think that's what I tried to do. Predictability across the odd. <laughs> that's, that's like a you know interesting journey that you have had and great. So so yeah, coming back to the original uh, you know topic of discussion, which is you know operations in a SaaS company, right? So so like what 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 is like you know operations team do in SaaS company or you know what is your day to day you know task or you know weekly or monthly tasks look like and what would be your deliverables basically like for or for a, any ops team you know, at large if you look at any operations right the work of anybody who works in operations is essentially to enable work to flow and for work to be effective for whichever function it is that they're working for right mm-hmm. and in order to enable people who are working in that function to be effective right you look at it from multiple dimensions. How can you train and enable people to focus on the right things? How do you hold on to the goals of the function and you know surface that for everybody so that everybody's aligned and focused? Mm-hmm. And how do you set up the right tools and processes so that people can you know leverage that in order to function effectively? So everything comes back to how can you enable people to function effectively? And you can do it you know through multiple areas, right? Uh, through people and processes and tools and data, right? You just use all of that and keep surfacing information, but also enable people to understand the key things that they need to focus on. It's pretty much like the backbone uh, on which, you know, everything else functions. You abstract out all of the um, underlying details so that people can focus on, on their core functions. Makes sense. The, I, I do understand that it has to do with, you know, designing the flow, workflow basically for, you know, different teams and setting up the processes that they have to follow and, you know, using tools to, you know, build the workflow and, you know, set up the process to just simplify it. But then, so I, I, I was reading about, you know, center of excellence and does it has anything uh, to do with, you know, building a center of excellence? Because I think, or maybe you can tell us first, like what is center of excellence for the listeners? And, and maybe, you know, late, you can also tell is, is operations part of center of excellence or is, is, you know, center of excellence part of operations or how, how does, uh, both you know relate to each other sure so a center of excellence is just building out a competency in, in, in something right mm-hmm. so that everybody kind of knows that this is a place from which mm-hmm. that piece flows out right it can be anything it can be a development center of excellence it can be like a content center of excellence so in terms of operations i think the way we've looked at it is um, in charge we there is a, a decentralized function level operations Mm -hmm. and then there is a slightly more i wouldn't call it centralized but the next level of abstraction which is which is what i work on Mm -hmm. where uh, it's more operations as a horizontal practice Mm -hmm. right and which interfaces with each of these function ops and actually enables cross-functional workflows Mm -hmm. and cross-functional information so it's it's more a horizontal practice rather than a center of excellence Okay, got it. And then you mentioned about decentralization, right? So how do you like manage both, as you mentioned, like decentralization and centralization of of things, right? Or of processes, like what's the difference between both? It depends on the stage of the growth, right? Uh Uh, 
like let's say when we start out and you know you're a startup you're focused on getting your product out in the market and everybody's doing a little bit of everything right mm-hmm. and then at a certain stage of growth you get into a specialization where somebody takes care of the plumbing so to speak right so that the rest of them can operate and that would be early mostly you would start with say sales ops because that's an area where it's it's more clear why you need operations right yeah. so that's probably the earliest you would see operations and over a period of time so if you if you were to visualize the growth of an org as a as a pyramid right mm-hmm. as long as the base kept, keeps getting bigger and bigger what happens is you start to feel the need for structure and uh, focused operations across functions so mm-hmm. so let's say sales and marketing start having operations slightly early in the game then you realize over a period of time in product and probably you know again support you need focused operations in each of these areas mm-hmm. in order to you know know what you're doing and to focus on the right things so then you start building out specialized ops because it makes sense right you one person can't own everything because the focus areas are different what you're tracking is different mm-hmm. your work itself is slightly different so building out uh, function specific ops actually makes a lot of sense and initially it's maybe two three people so you can just talk to each other and keep everything smooth and flowing but again to go back to the pyramid the base keeps getting bigger and bigger uh-huh. so how do you then enable all of these ops to be aligned right got it the operations layer itself is sufficiently you know stretched that you need to make sure everybody is aligned makes sense and somebody needs to have a slightly more birds eye view of how information is flowing and how work is flowing so that the that at that layer there is you know there is smoothness in the flow mm-hmm. so at that layer of abstraction is where i i guess you know maybe you could call us systems ops or something where at that layer if you start operating then you make sure function ops are all aligned got it mm-hmm. and so that's the layer at which i work on so it's it's like the meta for the ops itself yes it's meta <laughs> ops <laughs> You you need to know a bit of everything because yeah. I mean nothing is a silo, right? Uh, yeah. Each of their data flows into the other. Yeah. Uh, one metrics influences yeah. the other team's metrics, so Maybe. you just need to make sure it's it's all flowing well. Everybody is aware of what's what's coming to them. Makes sense. And then in in this process, right? Like uh, data is basically as you mentioned, data is flowing from one team to the other, right? From right. the say start from marketing and and it flows to sales, then it flows to let's say success, and then it flows to product, and then it goes to like you know partnerships and you know different teams, right? And the, so how do you ensure, right? You know, ev- like everyone, like if a marketing ops persons. you know seeing any any kind of data about let's say one particular customer one segment of customers so how do you make sure that uh, a marketing ops person and let's say a revenue ops or a product ops person is is you know seeing the same data right so how do you maintain the quality as as well as the consistency of the data throughout like what what are the different tools maybe that you use to like you know maintain the accuracy of the data sure so i think that's a very important question right the the ops layer at which my team operates right we take ownership for this data right and each of the functions are both you know people who input the context and data to us but as well as consumers of that data right however ownership for the data integrity the consistency and, and for the source of truth right is on us so which means um, this operations team that i work on we need to make sure we have all these conversations and pretty much understand the business that happens in each function 
what is the point at which they capture information? What is the information they're currently capturing? What is it that we need to capture depending on where we're going, right? You need to kind of, and you're never going to understand this unless you have a regular conversation and immerse yourself in the way that function operates. So one of the things to do is to have regular interactions with not just the operations people, but also the people who work on different roles in those functions mm -hmm. to continuously build the context. Makes sense. Because you need to understand what you need to capture, right? And let us say you want to predict something six months down the line, you probably need to start capturing something now, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you then articulate this? How do you reason it out with the teams mm -hmm. and come to an alignment on, okay, this is what we're going to look at. This is why we need to look at this at this point in time. So you, you have these conversations with functions yeah. and sometimes you have to kind of bring them together around some central problem that you're trying to solve mm -hmm. and what each team is going to bring to the table in order to solve that, right? And where the data is at right now. So this is a very iterative process. Mm -hmm. it, it keeps happening frequently. And one of the things that we do is whether or not we have a specific agenda item, what we do is we call this the opcon internally, where we catch up once a month everybody in operations, right? Uh -huh. Across functions, we just meet and we go over some of the key points. And uh, this is something that I run because I have the context across functions. So I start surfacing things, which I think everybody needs to know and open out some of these aspects for discussion. Let's say something like, you know, okay, you're talking about customer segments. What does it mean exactly? And sometimes when you come into a room with different people, right? You realize they're actually looking at it slightly differently from their lens. So how do you then baseline everybody's understanding? That's a very important part of, you know, making sure everybody's operating out of that same baseline. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, even the numbers that you look at, it's going to be very different because they're going to look at it from their understanding, right? How do you baseline that? Then how do you enable people to, you know, leverage the information that you have in the same way? Mm -hmm. So continuous communication over communication matters a lot. Mm -hmm. But since there's too much of information flowing, I think it's very important to be conscious of what the priorities are and what you're surfacing. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, just, just the top three key problems that you want to solve. It's important to prioritize that and then get everybody aligned. So I think uh, that is probably the key things that uh, my team owns. Makes sense. And then, and then what, what are the different apps, uh, you know, or platforms sure. or tools that you use to, uh, you know, maintain this accuracy? marketing has its own stack as you know right yeah. i mean you're you're a marketer yourself and your yeah. your stack month on month you know there are so many tools coming up and yeah. marketers typically want to experiment with new tools so um, we work very closely to understand if there's any tool change we want to understand why and uh, we want to make sure we build out the automation of the data mm -hmm. right so all of the important data that everybody needs to consume we pull it into a cloud platform, right? We're using GCP right now, but mm -hmm. that can be tech agnostic and change over time. But essentially we own the ETL pipeline and we make sure any new tool that comes in, we have an understanding of what data it is, where it fits in the larger context mm -hmm. and how soon can be automated. So, and typically we try to enable four key functions, say for a CRM product, it, it makes a lot of sense to have a two-way sync because a lot of people who consume the data would prefer to do it within their own tool, right. right? They don't want to go to another place to look at something. And a lot of very relevant information, they would want it pushed back into their tool. Mm -hmm. So to make these decisions of, okay, what is a two-way sync? What goes into that two-way sync? Mm -hmm. And 
to keep some of the information centralized, then what is the cadence at which you want to share this information, right? Do you want to show something weekly? Do you want to show something within the hour, near real time? All of these things is something we make decisions on in collaboration with the teams, but also keep constantly communicating so that everybody has the same understanding. And the tools keep changing, Sunil, because you know every three months as we grow, we are a different company, we have different yeah. challenges. Doesn't mean to say we change in three months, but we keep tweaking our workflows and we start realizing very soon that we're going to outgrow a tool as well, yeah, yeah. right? So maybe if we are using say fresh sales now, then you know, maybe that was too big a thing for us maybe three years ago or something, right? So it depends. Yeah. So, and again, success has its own tool. So yeah. support again, you know, they, they use some kind of a tool and then there are so many support systems. They want to experiment with things. They also add in a lot of other tools which integrate with their main tool. Mm -hmm. So how do you then get the data from that, right? Exactly. Um, you make some kind of checklist, I think. We, we want to make sure whichever tool somebody chooses that has a good API because mm -hmm. automating data inflow and outflow is very important. Yeah, I think that's where meta ops uh, matters a lot. Very important. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, giving back the ownership to like each of these individual teams of their, you know, processes or your inter their internal workflows or their internal tools and platforms that they use. Right. So in, in, in this case, how do you know, like, you know, what's the single source of truth or where is the single source of truth for you guys? Let's say if I want to check like one lead or you know one company or one account in charge b and so what is that like one place where you look at and you'll get all the information of that particular lead or account right and that's definitely the the data lake and warehouse that we are building out right where we pipe in information from different systems now this kind of data right and not not cdp just from a marketing sense but yeah. like an overall customer data is, is a huge project, right? And yeah. it's it's work in progress, right? Exactly, yeah. So we're still cracking it. This is like, we're continuously working on this. Mm -hmm. What we have is, so there are two aspects. The single source of truth in some, terms of the data is sorted because we've built out the understanding that there are multiple avenues for inflow of data, mm -hmm. but aligning all of that and pushing back, it is mm -hmm. going to be our data democratization layer, so to yeah. speak, right? Mm -hmm. Which Which is that whole engineering piece which we own and push out. So anybody who's looking at their own tool for a customer information, they can be sure that that's the most recent. They will know when it's been last refreshed yeah. and they can mm -hmm. consume it, right? So that's been taken care of. But the single view, we use Tableau for our visualizations at a certain level of detail, right? Mm -hmm. Where org wide or at a leadership level, you want people to look at certain things from a very cohesive angle. So we use Tableau for those kind of visualizations, again, powered by the same data layer. That's where we're building out this customer view that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. These various pieces, what happened to the customer at what stage, what contributed to this, who are the owners at various stages of the journey, mm -hmm. how is the interaction so far, how is our relationship with the customer going, mm -hmm. is, is there anything that we need to address, have we done a good job with them so far? How was the support experience like, right? Have they had too many, you know, tickets in the last month? And do we know about that, mm -hmm. right? How soon do we know about it? So building out that piece, like I said, a lot of work, it's work in progress, but okay. we put together like a single view and we're continuously iterating on that. So, oh, so you mean that single view is in Tableau? It's in Tableau. As of now, yeah. So, so do you guys use Segment? Oh. Uh, segment is CDP. Not only, yeah, they, I think they have CDP and they have like a bunch of other, 
you know uh, things as well features or you know bunch of other right. sub products as well so but i've been a really big fan of you know how it really helps in you know managing the flow of data at least right and in a unified and in a consistent manner right so i've used it and i've you know sort of helped a couple of friends implement it in their orgs so fairly understand that but i i never did it for like all ops or like you know doing it for a single source of truth perspective i i did it from a marketing ops perspective where you know there are like different tools like marketing ops would collect data from like 10 different tools right and then collecting that and you know there is a single source of truth for the marketing team there is a single source of truth for the sales team the similarly for product and you know different teams and then there is a like you know from all the org wide you know base level of truth yeah exactly yeah so yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of i i think segment would help in each of these uh, like you know it's just the connector basically between two different ra- tools which are out there but really you know interesting to know so as you mentioned right in uh, earlier that you know when when any company is just starting up their product market fit and now they are now you know 1 billion plus arr so you mentioned that you know they should they, the first ops you know function that they would start would be marketing and sales ops right so why is that and and how how can they like you know evolve from there like you know let's say how can a startup like you know set up their uh, whole ops team right from their 1 million to let's say 10 million journey and and you know so on sure if you notice right the reason why i think we start sales marketing and probably support ops as well these probably uh-huh. be the three first operations ones in your mind right uh, is largely i think driven by the need right you you want to understand how well your deals are flowing you want to understand you know how you've done how performance is measured because that's the way work flows that's the way you incentivize people who bring in the deals as well so the need mm-hmm. for data yeah. kind of is very important there right yeah go ahead you were going to yeah but that is that is there but what if what if i am a startup or you know not me but there's a startup which is a product led organization in that right. case do, don't you think having a product ops team before your sales and marketing would like you know would help you because then you're you're inculcating product led growth in your funnel right so you're expecting you're going that model like you know you're not going to sales led model model or not you're not doing the marketing led model but you're doing the product led model so in that case so it would depend on what model on the model is. absolutely yeah, yeah. So yeah if it's a sales led model like for a b2b saas company then it would be like sales and marketing uh, ops that are being set up and cas ops especially as well and yeah. like if it's a, if it's a saas company where you know i'm selling like you know 10 15 20 dollars a month and you know my product is fairly product led growth so in that case is it is it product ops that that should be you know set up first that's a very good question i think uh, you know the context of your model will matter on what information you need right and it's not just information it's it's what you want to structure in the at the first level so i think the moment you start feeling a need for a structure is when you will start need feeling the need for a dedicated operations person or a operations team to start looking at some of these things and absolutely i mean if it's a plc company then you know you you should probably be looking at the ops that makes the most sense to you right yeah. absolutely and yeah. your tools largely take care of this for some of these operations functions mm-hmm. and for the others it's more putting together a bunch of things depending very much on your 
framework for selling or your framework for pipeline and all of that, right? So depending on those customizations for some functions, I think Ops is also a very customized function team. So really great. But you know, before we go on to the lightning round, which is the last uh, round, uh, final round of this show. So what are some of the best practices that, you know, any, any startups, you know, at any, any kind of stage that they're in and they want to start, let's say the whole market, the ops function, which at your level, or they want to start at, let's say an individual ops, ops function at, you know, at an individual function level. So what are the best practices that they can follow and what are the mistakes, you know, that they can avoid? I think it starts with framing what is the problem that we're trying to solve, right? Having a very clear understanding of that is really important. You need not have a decentralized operations function simply because another company that is very, you know, at a similar stage is doing it. If your culture you know, indicates that this is the best way for you to operate, then you need to choose a model that's in line with your culture. You need to have a very clear understanding of what is the problem you're trying to solve and why you want to solve it now, right? right. Uh, framing the problem, I think, is the key. Once we understand what we're trying to solve and why now, structuring which of the operations you need and how they're going to work together, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's centralized or decentralized, will start making a lot of sense and we'll have a lot of clarity then we can go out and hire people with those kind of capabilities or somebody can wear that mantle and drive it forward. But I think probably would be the most critical piece. But if you hit a certain revenue and you have a certain number of people driving the growth, operations is definitely something to consider because it keeps everybody accountable mm -hmm. and it enables the teams to focus and execute, which is what you want when, yeah. when you're you know, going after growth. Mm -hmm. No, makes sense. No, these are, that's like a brilliant piece of advice for, you know, anyone who's looking to build the ops team. So quickly now shifting to the lightning round. So I have three questions, uh, Lavanya, for you. So first one, what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? I, I'm a bit of a generalist. My role's been changing. Uh, every couple of years, I've been taking pivots on it. I think what uh, I'm going to, if, if it's okay, I'll answer it slightly differently. What I would have told my younger self, as opposed to what I would have you know, known now, not just in this role, but I think in any role, the, the fundamentals of working remain the same, right? It's, it's to be okay with making mistakes, and it's to very quickly learn from them and uh, build on it. It's, it's not to get into an analysis paralysis, but to actually take some action, right? It's okay if the first version of it is really bad, as long as it solves a small problem, that's fine. You can continue to build on it and improve. Being okay with a, a lame first version is, is something I would have, you should be okay with the lame first version is what I would have told myself. Yeah, same with products also, right? Like you should yeah. ship if you, if you have, if you don't have a lot of feedback on your product, I think you have shipped it too late. Uh, Absolutely. Like yeah. <laughs> Great. So second one. So like, what did your biggest uh, professional failure teach you? Okay. I think I'm a bit of a rational person. So I don't really bring too much of emotion into work and I, I think for a lot of my career, I thought a lot of people operated like that, which is so not true. So I think trying to talk to people as people and understanding where they are coming from to a problem or to a conversation has been a hard lesson that I've had to learn over time. Interesting. And then the last one. So what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? Reading inveterately, um, not just trying to understand the problem space I'm working on, 
but reading, trying to understand uh, across areas, right? Like how does a manufacturing industry work? I mean, we learned so much from Toyota and things like that in terms of how to operate, right? So yeah. things like that. I think uh, looking at other industries, looking at other uh, areas, looking at musicians, singers, writers, best practices exist everywhere. So I think continuously being curious and asking questions and trying to learn and you know abstract it out and apply it to what I do. Awesome, awesome. So thanks a lot, Lavanya, for taking time this afternoon and you know sharing all these insights with everyone on the show. I mean, I got a lot myself back from you know what what operations or how operations you know function in in a SaaS company and you know why it is important to have an ops team and what they should do basically, like you know to maintain the consistency of the data throughout. So thanks a lot uh, for taking time. Thank you so much, Sunil. It's been a pleasure. And if there are other operations folks out there listening to this one, I'd, I'd be totally happy to listen and learn from them. So, you know, please connect. <laughs>